I don't think much of Stephen McKay anymore, though I used to swear by him. I know that in those days I loved him more than my brother. If ever I met Stephen McKay again, I shall not be responsible for my actions. It passes beyond me that a man with whom I shared food and blanket and with whom I mushed over the Chilkoot Trail should turn out the way he did. I always sized Steve up as a square man, a kindly comrade without any iota of anything vindictive or malicious in his nature. I shall never trust my judgment in men again. Why nurse that man through typhoid fever? We starved together at the headwaters of the Stewart, and he saved my life on the little salmon. And now, after the years we were together, all I can say of Stephen McKay is that he is the meanest man I ever knew. We started for the Klondike in the fall rush of 1897, and we started too late to get over Chilkoot Pass before the freeze-up. We packed our outfits on our backs part way over when the snow began to fly and then we had to buy dogs in order to sled the rest of the way. That's how we came to get that spot. Dogs were high, and we paid one hundred and ten dollars for him. He looked worth it. I say looked, because he was one of the finest-appearing dogs I ever saw. He weighed sixty pounds, and he had all the lines of a good sled dog. We never could make out his breed. He wasn't Husky, nor Malmute, nor Hudson Bay. He looked like all of them, and he didn't look like any of them. And on top of it all, he had some of the white man's dog in him. For on one side, in the thick of the mixed yellow, brown, red, and dirty white that was his prevailing color, there was a spot of cold black as big as a water bucket. That was why we called him Spot. He was a good looker, all right. When he was in condition, his muscles stood out in bunches all over him. And he was the strongest looking brute I ever saw in Alaska. Also the most intelligent looking. To run your eyes over him, you'd think he could outpull three dogs of his own weight. Maybe he could but I never saw it. His intelligence didn't run that way. He could steal and forage to perfection. He had an instinct that was positively gruesome for divining which work was to be done and for making a sneak accordingly. And for getting lost and not staying lost, he was nothing short of inspired. But when it came to work, the way that intelligence dribbled out of him and left him a mere clot of wobbling stupid jelly would make your heart bleed. There were times when I think it wasn't stupidity. Maybe like some men I know, he was too wise to work. Shouldn't wonder if he put it all over us with that intelligence of his. Maybe he figured it all out and decided that a licking now and again and no work was a whole lot better than work all the time and no licking. He was intelligent enough for such a computation. I tell you, I've sat and looked into that dog's eyes till the shivers ran up and down my spine and the marrow crawled like yeast. What of the intelligence I saw shining out? I can't express myself about that intelligence. It is beyond mere words. I saw it, that's all. At times it was like gazing into a human soul to look into his eyes, and what I saw there frightened me and startled all sorts of ideas into my mind of reincarnation and all the rest. I tell you, I sensed something big in the brute's eyes. There was a message there. But I wasn't big enough myself to catch it. Whatever it was, yeah, I know I'm making a fool of myself. Whatever it was, it baffled me. I can't give an inkling of what I saw in that brute's eyes. It wasn't light. It wasn't color. It was something that moved away back when the eyes themselves weren't moving. And I guess I didn't see it move either. I only sensed that it moved. It was an expression. That's what it was. And I got an impression of it. No, it was different from a mere expression. It was more than that. I don't know what it was. But it gave me a feeling of kinship just the same. No, not a sentimental kinship. It was rather a kinship of equality. Those eyes never pleaded like a deer's eyes. They challenged. 
No, it, it wasn't defiance. It was just a calm assumption of equality. And I don't think it was deliberate. My belief is that it was unconscious on his part. It was there because it was there. And it couldn't help shining out. No, I don't mean shine. It didn't shine. It moved.